You are listening to A Deeper Dive. Hear about game-changing ocean projects and the incredible people making them happen. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of A Deeper Dive podcast. My name is Jakub Skrzypczyk. I'm Partnerships and Stakeholder Engagement Manager. In my role at the OSC, I get to work with some of our over 470 members who are growing Canada's ocean economy in a digital, sustainable and inclusive way. Today, I'm your host for episode 15 of the Ocean Supercluster's A Deeper Dive podcast, where we talk to some of the smartest and most dedicated people in the ocean economy about their work. The demand for real-time data and remote monitoring continues to grow in Canada's marine sectors. The Ocean Supercluster's rather Internet of Things project offers remote monitoring as a managed service with specialty radar system data acquisition and cloud-based storage and analytics. Led from Newfoundland, the project partners with Synovus Energy, previously known as Husky Energy, the National Research Council of Canada, and the government of Newfoundland and Labrador. And today, folks, I'm joined by Stephen Hale, Vice President of Rudder, the lead of the Rudder IoT project. Stephen, welcome to the podcast. We're thrilled to have you. Thanks, Jakob, and really appreciate being on today. Before we jump into details of the projects, maybe we can start off by having you tell us about Rudder and what you do there. So Rudder has been around for about 20 years. We're based here in St. John's, and outside of here, we have a company in Germany that we bought about 10 years ago that still operates just outside of Hamburg. Our specialty, and you hit it in the introduction, is around specialized radar solutions. So we come into onto a port or onto a vessel or an offshore platform, connect with their existing radar, and then process that signal for different types of applications. Of course, all those radars are built for collision avoidance. But what we do instead is a bunch of specialized applications where we detect and track ice and analyze it. We'll do oil spill detection systems. The obvious one when you're looking at radar surveillance, and we do a lot of surveillance work globally, and wave and current measurement. And in some of our latest stuff, we've also moved into mapping wave surfaces out to a couple kilometers and working into prediction and predicting how waves will impact the facility. Yeah, that's a truly impressive portfolio. And, and for yourself, how long have you been with Rudder? So just about uh, 13 years now, actually just over 13 years, it'll be 14 this year. So I started with Rudder in 2008, originally came on as part of the software team. I think I was lead software engineer when I started with them, slowly moved around different positions in the company, eventually took over the commercial side. And now I have commercial and the research and development teams that feed into me. Well, you definitely have seen a lot of changes in the Canadian ocean economy over the past almost 15 years. Definitely glad to have you here. So your project with the Ocean Supercluster is called the Rudder Internet of Things. And now the term itself, Internet of Things, has been around for a while, but not for too long. And uh, still kind of remains one of those terms that is often misunderstood or not understood at all. Perhaps before we jump into your project specifically, could you just briefly explain to our listeners what the concept or the idea of the Internet of Things actually is? So if you have a, a device in your house, your refrigerator, or for that matter, your smartwatch, it's always on, it's always broadcasting data that, that's used in different places. Looking at it from a perspective of something like the radar, it's taken that to make it into more of a data appliance and something that will feed into larger systems and provide information that's valuable to the end user. For instance, you know, your watch provides information that goes into the cloud and lets you know about your heart rate and 
your step counts and some of them will then take that and provide analytics in the cloud they'll give you information about your overall health and your trends everyone gets that sunday morning indicator from their watch with their weekly stats and that's information that's being taken in not just from the watch but if you look at it under the hood it's bringing information that's coming from GPS positioning from satellite, it's using different optical sensors when it's monitoring your heart rate and whatnot. So it's kind of taken a broad range of things and making them data accessible for a larger purpose. And now on to the Internet of Things project that you're developing, you're leading on for the Ocean Supercluster. Wondering if you could walk us through the main pillars of it and how it is designed to support offshore operations. As I mentioned there in the last question, you know, we're taking that radar system and making it into more of a data appliance. Within that, it's not just things like everyone thinks about IoT, they think about the cloud. Right. And while the cloud is a very important portion of what we're doing with this program, you have to have very good reliability of the data and you'd have to have a very good way to present it as well. So for us, we have very substantial changes that are happening, for instance, to our targeting systems. When you're dealing with one radar site, you know, you have a set of targets that you acquire when you're tracking, say, an iceberg or a person in water or a jet ski into an area. Where it gets more complicated is when you have multiple radars now stitched together and you have to have each of them knowing about what the other sees so that as something moves from one to the next, they can make use of that data and know that's the same jet ski or it's the same person. And to do that, you have to have very strong data under the hood. And so that's the reason why we've put so much work into our targeting systems as part of this project is to make sure that we're working on top of the best data possible when we're building the larger solutions. Before I get to the cloud, the next big piece of that is of course you had to visualize all of this so you know our solution previously was very much made for someone sitting on board of a vessel and looking at the screen one radar nothing to be able to bring in things from different areas so we've done a full revamp of all of our ui solutions and of course in the background for that taking all of that bringing it into a cloud instance which then allows people to view it remotely relating information to third-party systems. So, you know, for instance, an offshore operator who wants to bring information back into an operations center on land and then take that data as a whole and act on it in the cloud for advanced analytics. All of the security that goes along with that, quite a bit of time put into new solutions around security and user authentication and whatnot. It does look like a, a real game changer indeed. And if you could talk a little bit about what was the impetus really focus on developing this kind of solution in the first place? For a product that's been around as long as this, over 20 years now, originally these things were designed to sit by themselves and air-gapped onboard vessels. With a project we had done here with one of the local operators, oh, about probably seven, eight years ago now, we had built in some rudimentary data access. And one of the things that we tried to make ourselves known for in the industry is that the system is yours, you've bought it from Rudder, but the data is yours as well. So we've made the data as accessible as we can, which is not necessarily the norm in the industry. Over time, of course, we found that people found this as a good selling point, even if they weren't looking to use it right away because they seen where things were going. We've had a lot of success where people are now starting to bring that information on shore. You know, for instance, we do a lot of work 
with the Indonesian Marine Police and Customs. So they're bringing all of their information onshore into a centralized operations center. And we see that here with some of the offshore operators as well. The next step to that, and of course, part of the reasoning, I guess, for the name of IoT is it's a very recognizable term for a reason. This is the way that not just our industry, but, you know, everyday life is moving to more towards, in particular, you look into oil and gas, there's been a very big move to remote operation and digital twins. You know, when people think about, you know, remote operation, this seems like an obvious fit, but if people think digital twin, you know, around modeling what's happening to something offshore, it doesn't seem to necessarily jive. But as part of that, you have to feed that digital twin with data so that it can simulate what's happening. And that's where we come in, where we can bring in a lot of information about the field of operation and feed that back into a digital twin. So, you know, at the end of the day, we're positioning ourselves from a specialized radar perspective to be one of the premier suppliers to fully integrate sensor data. Get rid of the days where you had your radar data and somebody is interpreting it and passing it along. A number of times I've heard of people on ships that had another system that required data from a system like ours, where literally people are writing it down, GPS coordinates in a notebook and walking it across and giving it to someone or, e or typing it in and emailing it. This is built to make life easier offshore and onshore for that matter, and to build a tool that makes everything more efficient. Amazing. Great to see made in Canada technologies being used outside internationally as well. Are there any other, you know, offshore industries you can see are interested in implementing the technology? You've mentioned oil and gas. Um, how about fisheries? Fisheries, we see it as a good fit, especially when you're looking at predictive fishing. Rudder has not been a mainstay in fisheries over the years. And we've started some focus over the last couple of years with some products that were more targeted towards that industry. For instance, we have a new system from, it's one of our pandemic babies, got launched in the middle of the pandemic, which as you can imagine was fantastic. It's called uh, Wave Vision. So it creates maps of the wave surface and feeds that back to a vessel and lets you know if there's a, a large wave in the area. When you look at those IoT solutions, really where I think the value is is in predictive fishing. So you have a lot of research that goes into fish habitats and monitoring waves in an area and trying to help predict how this affects fish stocks and how they would move. And this is something that can give a real-time data source from someone's fleet, feed it back so that they're not only looking at conditions for how it affects the harvesters working offshore in terms of safety perspective, but also probably value back into predictive fishing efforts. We do quite a bit of work as well in the offshore wind industry. See quite a bit of potential there as well. For instance, a project that we're working on right now where a wind farm that we're dealing with, they have a complex wave re regime in the area. So, you know, they have different wave action happening at different points within the park. Up until now, they had used a wave buoy that sat near the farm and they weren't really getting reliable information for the farm as a whole. So we're working with them now to put multiple radars around the wind farm do measurements from different angles and also be able to give directional information and in, you know where a wave boy would tell them that here's the wave height in this area we can tell them the wave height the wavelength but also the direction that it's moving and 
taking that and feeding it back to them on shore for future analysis when looking at, you know, peak positioning for the turbines within the park during construction. Also to monitor what's happening offshore and how affecting the structures. Since you've mentioned pandemic, I was wondering because I think the project has been conceptualized right before the pandemic hit. Am I right? Yeah, it was the the project was probably two or three years in conception before we officially kicked off i can remember some long nights everyone locked in working from home and a few of us working diligently late into the night in our home offices getting the final proposals ready for the osc as well as some of the other partners as well i can imagine that the pandemic has i think changed a lot in the way we work and many ocean companies work i was wondering if you have any insights into how the pandemic has changed your work and if there has been any significant challenges and perhaps some new opportunities that have come your way as a result of it. The biggest change that we've seen during the pandemic is to see how appreciative customers are that you're willing to help them without being physically there. This has always been a very hands-on industry. And as you can imagine, you know, we're connecting to radars on board ships and with specialized equipment that has to be tuned to a radar. And that was always very hands-on. And one of the things that the pandemic kind of pushed us into and we found out was surprisingly effective is we started working with installation work and remote support work, where instead of putting someone on a plane and flying them into China, instead of being on the phone with a local technician with video feed up and helping them through the installation. And also from our training as well, we set up a training center here where we do remote training for remote technicians. And during the pandemic, well, I shouldn't say during, I guess we're still technically in it, but, you know, customers were extremely appreciative of that. And, you know, some vendors out there were very adamant you had to bring people in. From a customer's perspective, they're saving a lot of money because they don't have people on flights and paying for their time while they're on the flights and the cost of the travel and everything else. But for us as a company, it's actually much more effective. We have a happy customer. We're able to service more customers in a shorter period of time. And at the end of the day, the customer is happier, we're happier, and our technicians are happier because they get to spend more time at home. I think similar testimonials from many of our members, it just seems like the pandemic's helped us make a good use of the technology that we already have. Yeah, and that's the key as technology companies, which really, if you look at it, even though we classify ourselves as a marine company, we're really a technology company. To leverage that to make a better experience for your customers is going to pay dividends for everybody. Now I wanted to get back to chatting about the Rudder IoT project and just ask, you know, how things were going in the past several months and if there have been any milestones or key learnings that you've had that you just wanted to share with us today. The project is going very well. One of the first things we did was starting to work on some of the UI elements that needed to be created. We had whole new mapping systems and to bring in the data from multiple sites. And so the UI alpha actually is, is soon going to be available that we're going to take it to a few customers to trial for certain applications. The earlier revisions of our targeting systems, which we need, of course, to feed the cloud piece of it and the analytics coming along very well, having those original concepts from the researcher now starting to be passed over to the development team so that some of that can start to be put together so we can test it in real world systems instead of through simulations. As it's 
come along. We've had a few surprises, a couple of good ones. One of the things we did with this project, we actually changed our design methodology, new method of how we operate within R&D to take into more of an iterative approach where we have a lot more feedback coming from our sales team and a lot more, I'll say, internal demonstration from the R&D team. As part of that, it gave a lot more flexibility to our developers as well. And, you know, one good example coming out of it in within any development, you try and reuse parts of what you have or to bring in third party elements that already exist. And some of the things that they were doing with the mapping it was built so that we had a map base so that we could put our radar on. So, you know, you could see the, you know, the shoreline and, and anything else in near proximity. But part of that in the engine that they used, it allowed for custom overlays. We just had a customer in the last few weeks that we were speaking with, a long-term customer of ours. You know, we really wish you had a way to overlay these lease block areas in your system. He had a captains who didn't know when they looked at the radar which area they're operating in, which was very important for their business. They were a, an OSRO, an oil spill response organization. Like, and they sent us a sample of the data. And, you know, this was something that they could have up in minutes, not in, you know, days, weeks of effort, which would have been our previous way of doing things with the old system. So we're already starting to see power that we can get out of this for our customers. And that's not even looking at the cloud and analytics side, just from UI flexibility and being able to have the data more accessible in different ways too. It's so great to hear that we're still very much open to reinventing ourselves and kind of finding new ways to work. I wanted to touch on one aspect of the project that is really important for the OSC since one of our the key elements of our mandate as the supercluster is to remove the silos and rocker new collaborations in the ocean economy. And, you know, on this project, you collaborate with Synovus Energy, but as well with the NRC and the government of Newfoundland and Labrador. So I just wonder if you could elaborate a little bit on what value do you see in collaboration? Collaboration between any two companies. Everyone brings strengths and weaknesses to what they're doing. The time that Synovus has given to us in terms of vessel access and whatnot to test things, which we wouldn't have any ready platform to do without spending money that was well beyond our means and the means of the project to a small company. Even outside of that original collaboration, and it's funny that we're having discussion today because I actually had an email this morning from our R&D department. We've lined up several companies in town and organizations that we see value in interfacing with them and they see value in interfacing with us from our different projects that we have ongoing right now. Our R&D department, of course, are starting to transition from this UI work into the cloud and interfacing side of the project. I had an email from them this morning to kick off, you know, reach out to organizations in town so that we can all collaborate together so that when this goes out the door, we have what they need so that they can access our data and a way for them to access in our, their data into us as well. There's a lot of strengths around the province. And I, and I say the province in particular because we have a strong oil and gas background here, which is on a lot of alignment in terms of goals from the different organizations. But across Atlantic Canada and Canada as a whole as well, we have a very strong marine industry, very strong marine technology industry. If we make sure that we have 
tools which are common between us. The first goal, obviously, is so that we can work better offshore here. You know, for instance, say ice management. It's a common goal. There's a lot of companies that work in that space. As you move into other areas, you know, if someone says, hey, you know, this is great. Does it work with the, you know, what can we do inside of a simulator? Well, Virtual Marine already has one of our ice navigators that they've used to, to connect to their radar simulator inside of some of their ice simulation gear. We make sure that these tools that we're all developing can be interoperable with each other. We can recommend each other to international markets, not just develop for here at home. Oh, that's wonderful to hear. That's, I think, a good segue to perhaps my last question today. You know, looking ahead for Rudder and for the IoT project, what's coming next? How does 2022 look like for you? What do you have in the shop for the next, say, 12 months? From an R&D side, the next 12 months will still be very much IoT focused. Outside of that, we have a great program that was originally born out of our Germany office and now envelops parts of the Germany office and the St. John's office. We We've finally went commercial with a wave prediction technology. The first product come out of that is a product called Wave Signal. What it does is allows people offshore to set a safety window. I need, you know, waves under four meters for 30 seconds in order to start a lift operation or for someone to do a transfer into a, a different vessel. And the system monitors the waves, uses oceanographic theory to project those waves to show what'll happen within the next three minutes at the vessel and to give a red light, green light to tell people when it's safe to start operation that they were doing. We've had great success with that underlying prediction technology, which we're branding as C-Predict. We're going to be coming out over the next few years with a series of products that make use of this. Can't get much into what that will be as it's under development. Not something we're prepared to talk about, but it's very exciting. There's two or three companies in the world that do this type of work, you know, and it's had a, a nice opening for us into the wind industry in particular. We're being used now in the UK, Denmark, and Germany, and they have a small display from this wave signal product, which shows these predictions and they're using it when they transfer people onto a windmill, when they're doing maintenance, give a prediction. Those big waves are coming, so they know whether or not the crew transfer vessel may slip while people are doing the transfers. It gives them a good view of their safety to draw people back when the wave conditions aren't favorable for them to actually walk off the bow and get onto the windmill. These are all very exciting pieces of work. In closing, is there anything else that you would like to add to our conversation today? Anything that we didn't talk about yet you think would be worthwhile capturing? At the end of the day, and this, you know, and I'm thinking about this from a super cluster perspective, and I've seen a bit of it uh, just before the pandemic. Everyone keep engaged, and because you don't know what opportunities may come out of a small conversation, there's a world of opportunity out there. And, you know, just before the pandemic, we were at oceanology in London. And this was as things were starting to ramp towards the supercluster before it really got rolling. This was, I think, in 2018. There was a lot of talk between companies about what they could possibly do together. And I'm sure we're all heading back to oceanology again. Those conversations are very valuable. You know, even with this IoT project, some of the early seeds of that were people from Rudder sitting down and having coffee with different companies in town and just asking, 
what do you do? You know, we know generally what you do. What are your projects? How does it work? And look for ways that you can work together because there's a lot of willingness to work together. Always a surprise if you take the time to go look for it. Yes, well, as to Oceanology, our, our CEO, Kendra McDonald, will be there. It's very uplifting to hear that the collaborations are key in the industry. And I think that's why the OSC has been set up to try to foster those conversations and have all the great founders and ocean economy companies talking to each other, being inspired by each other's solutions. Stephen, it's been a pleasure. Thanks again for spending some time with us today and sharing the latest on the project and beyond. Thank you. Yep, thank you for the opportunity to come on. Hopefully we'll do this again sometime next year after the project is out in the wild. It's amazing folks to hear about made in Canada solutions that are globally relevant and certainly present, present significant opportunity for the future of Canada's ocean economy. I really enjoyed our conversation today. Hope you enjoyed listening. Today we were talking to Stephen Hale of Rudder, the lead of the Rudder Internet of Things project, which is co-funded by the OSC. Thank you to our listeners for joining us us for a deeper dive this month as we explore ocean supercluster projects that are built on solving global challenges in ocean with Made in Canada solutions. This wraps up episode 15 of A Deeper Dive. I invite you to join us back here next month for the next podcast episode. If you don't already, please follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us and follow on most popular social media. Thanks, everyone.